Hey, welcome to episode 105 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson. Today, I'm going to talk about how a living hope means that we have somebody near to us, available, but also on offense for us. And I'm Todd, and I'm going to share about how an error is the person who receives an inheritance. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. First episode in 2024, and uh, we're glad to have you with us today. Thank you. Glad to get to be here. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, we're into a new year, new series, lots of new things going on. Uh, How do you feel like New Year's been and just the life of our church and things like that, where you feel like things are at? Yeah, I feel like we've really actually started the year with some really neat momentum. And the neat thing is nothing conjured, just things that we were planning on sharing with our vision initiatives, uh, the HTC Invest. Uh, that's been really well received. I think people are excited about those things. And then again, every time I think when you are able to do a teaching series that seems very relatable and relevant, mm. that gives its own energy. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like we're kind of and all flowing out of a really great Christmas season, Christmas Eve services. So it's a neat season, I feel like right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It feels like there is that good momentum and energy just kind of infused into the life of our church. So that's a lot of fun as we're tracking through it. Um, And First Peter, just such a a rich and fun book for us to be in, um, as you've mentioned multiple times, will have a lot for us in way of um, hopefully not losing our minds when it comes to being in an election um, year. I don't think it has uh, a ton in there that's going to sway us to a party or something. Sure. I don't think that's where the peace is going to be in going through it. It's going to be as we go through it, realizing that this is not where our citizenship is. And mm. that allows us to kind of wade through the the stormy you know, year that we could potentially have. Obviously, hopefully we hope it's great, but just off of pure track record sure. for the last few times, sure. we kind of know what to expect. And so uh, as a people who want to have more stability and not be, you know, just thinking of some biblical terms, not be tossed back and forth uh, in a year like this, man, just such a, this is going to be such a beneficial way for us to start the year. So um, excited for us to dig into it. And um, so much just rich language in this first, you know, really full week in First mm-hmm. Peter. Um And like you said this weekend, some really intentional decisions that were even made in the words or tenses Mm. of words that were used. And, uh, And I think about this idea of a living hope, which is obviously we've got beautiful songs written off of that. We've got some really beautiful imagery there when you think about the idea of living hope. You've got, man, we've got this risen living savior. That's awesome. Feels like a shot in the arm. But you might maybe walk out of church after a weekend, you know, spending some time talking about this living hope and be like, what does that really change, though? Hmm. Like, what's the what's the actual impact practically in my life that I have a living hope? What's what's different about that from a dead hope or, you know, whatever? Um, So maybe some thoughts that you have on that coming away from this weekend. What are some kind of practical you know, impacts that a living hope should have on our life? Yeah, no, it's such a good question. Such a good thought. Um, I think first, I mean, to reiterate, we kind of clarified 
in our common everyday English vernacular, we use the word hope as optimistic thinking. Yeah. So to number one, we have to clarify that's not what we're talking about. And again, I feel like that's a fine use of the word for how we normally use it. No one's being critical of that. But we have to separate that. Then when we come to God's word to realize that's never what God means, is just think optimistically and wish. There's yeah. really another way of saying it. I wish this will work out this way. Um, so number one, we got to begin with then this biblical concept of hope is rooted in uh, concrete things related to the character and the promises and the person of God. So number one, living adds this extra layer to it, like you were saying, but just the idea of a biblical hope begins with this idea that consistent with the character of God, consistent with the promises of God, which again, we always have to also unpack a little bit, not every promise in Scripture is made to me. Yeah. Some of them are to the nation of Israel. Some of them are very specific covenants to a specific person in time. But the ones that have this truth for the follower of Jesus today, man, those are, those are things I can take to the bank. Those are things I can rely upon and put my hope in right yeah. on that front. And I think the reason Peter's using this idea of living hope is look at what he says. He's given us, he being the Father, given us new birth into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So it's that concept of because Jesus is alive my, and my hope is completely connected to and found in him, well, then my hope is living too, mm. you know? And I was, I was thinking about what do, what do people, when we use this biblical concept of hope, right? What are they putting their hope into? that kind of hope rather than just wishful thinking is often the best we can do on this planet is tied to earthbound things yeah so i have maybe someone said would say i have my hope in my family and my hope is in my career choice my hope is in my my team you know fill in the blank yeah and the reality is, is that we all know when we actually say those words out loud, because I think a lot of it's kind of just locked up in a lot of our hearts, we realize almost the foolishness, though, the moment we say that, because families don't always stay the way they started out. Yeah. They have fractures and they have challenges. People are lost, you know, whatever. Um, my career, p people had a lot of confidence in their career pre-COVID, and COVID flipped so many chairs upside down of people's yeah. lives. Um, my team, well, enough said on that. So. Sorry to Rams fans. <laughs> so anyway, so I think the moment we say it, we realize, yeah, that's not a real sure yeah. thing, right? Yeah. I get another Switchfoot uh, lyric, nothing is sound. Mm. So nothing on this planet can give me that kind of confidence. But, but because Jesus is alive, he's conquered death, then my hope is not only in him, but it's also living because he's alive. Yeah. He's not like, and some might even say, maybe they put their hope in the philosophy of someone, right? Yeah. I am a student of so-and-so, a follower of so-and-so. And just yesterday, right, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is such an incredible, um, I just, when I process his peaceful protest, and I know how irritated and frustrated I get when anyone treats me just a hair less than I think I deserve, I can't imagine yeah. that kind of resilience and that kind of just keep putting your you know foot in front of the next and and just what a great man for our country and the things that are still 
living um, that are still being impacted today yeah. by his uh, his leadership and his example. But he's passed away uh, from a martyr's you know bullet, as well as the idea that even though there's so much truth in what he shared and what he lived, the reality is is that hope is in some ways diminished and going to be extinguished in certain realities in certain places. There's nothing that can guarantee that's still going to continue to drive life or, or be something that we can count on. But that's what makes that different from the person of Christ is that he is alive today. He's returning. It's sound. Yeah. And I, and I think about, too, the just big theme of idol worship throughout mm. Scripture as well. Um, and I think that there's a contrast that, um, that Peter's driving there as well that can be true of many of world religions today, right? This hope in um, something, something written, but it's dead. A person, but they're dead. A philosophy or an ideology, but uh, there's nothing. Uh, what I think is so interesting about this living hope that we have in Jesus is there is an offensive and a defensive component to it. Mm. You know, he mentions that here. You talked about that this weekend as well, that Jesus is protecting us and fighting for us. And that can only be had in a living hope. Mm. That can't be had in a hope in um, dead, written things that have no life to them. You have to have something living. And so to know that we have uh, a hope in a Savior who's not still in the grave, but is currently presently advocating for us before the Father as our great high priest. That's a very real, very alive hope that's not just about what has been done, but what he's continuing to do. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that continuing element to our hope, man, that should, um, that should, we might have a difficulty on a theological front of understanding I don't have to work and earn my salvation um, if Jesus just died on the cross. But knowing that Jesus died on the cross, raised to new life, and he continues to work for us and Mm. continues to advocate for us, it should really infuse into us on a daily basis uh, a confidence when we approach God that we have peace with him, not because of what we've done or haven't done, um, but because of what Jesus has done for us and is doing is for doing. us. Yeah, you know? And I think when you take that present, man, Jesus is advocating for me today. Jesus is seeking my good today. Um, that brings a whole new layer and wrinkle to life for us. Um, that's, I, I think, maybe some peace and some hope that we miss out on. And, you know, hope is closely equated to faith throughout Mm -hmm. all of Scripture and even the ideas of a biblical hope, very similar to faith. It's what you're going to put your weight on. It's what you're going to lean on. And so the fact that I get to lean on or lean into someone who's still listening, someone who's still present and still near to me, um, that's a living hope. I think it's about his offensive measures that are still happening, but I think there's something there as well to he's still present with me. And what else can you say that about, right? Your notion about, man, if my hope was in the um, philosophies and even the victories of MLK, I'm going to find that hope to wane over time because I can't go see him. I can't go talk to him. Um, And you can run that out for any other ideology or philosophy 
but I can still come to Jesus. I can still talk to him. I can still rest in him and know that he hears me and is near to me. And so there's these two elements of his nearness and the fact that he's still working for me that give me a, a present hope, not just a future hope. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I think that uh, then he talks about this idea of, you know, through what Jesus has done, we've been given this inheritance. And uh, let's talk a little bit about what is that, you know, that might be a new term for some people. Be like, man, what, what does that mean when it says inheritance? Um, and, and why that should contribute to our, our hope in the midst of suffering and things like that. What, is, what does that mean when Peter says that? Yeah, so when you think through that, just kind of biblical lens, you're right. We will often, for good reason, talk about heaven and an eternity with God, but we don't necessarily always link that or use that word inheritance connected to it as well. Some of the language in Ephesians 1, Romans 8, that talks, it's actually interesting, it connects the concept of inheritance to adoption. Mm. And we've been adopted into, right, the family of God. We've said in this passage, we've actually been birthed into. So in some ways, biblically speaking, it's both, you know, concepts that we've been, you know, chosen and specifically brought into this family, which is in its own way a birthing process because we've become more than just earthly beings, but now spiritual, there's a spiritual vitality and aliveness that we have. And I think the inheritance concept in the New Testament, the first century era, was so powerful because so often, and Ephesians 1 is really structured all around this concept, that if someone were to not have a male heir, and that's why we say even the idea of adoption to sonship, which is never meant to be demeaning to a female at all, but in the today, but in the first century, if you had daughters but no son, that's what you would do is you would adopt, and often it was someone who was in your household, your oikos, could be a, a, a part of a family of slaves that very different from the way we think of slaves, they more servant, but you adopt into your family, could be a, a friend of another family, but you would bring in and you would make that young adult male your heir, mm. and he would be the prime inheritor of your estate in the future. You have now this, and it's not murky, it's not, I don't know what's going to happen to my family, because that also would, that young man would ultimately attain that role of this patriarch over the family. He would give leadership protection over people under his care. So there was a lot involved in the first century when they're hearing words like adoption, because no one adopted young children in the first century. You had too many of your own, yeah, you know, yeah. but if you didn't have a male in, that you'd birth, then you're going to adopt, you know, this heir. And that's a lot of the ways that's used is actually that word heir, H-E-I-R. And so an, an, an heir receives an inheritance. And so that's... Now nobody's going to forget that. Yeah, that's yeah, isn't that good? So, so that all to say, I think when Peter's readers are hearing this, they're actually connecting a lot more dots than we probably are. I think most people today don't expect to receive an inheritance from parents related to financial wealth or something like that. So there's not much going on about what's in, am I in the will and how much and, you know, none of that. It's just kind of like we we don't think that way a whole lot. But in the first century, it's a big deal. And the reality then when we ascribe it to God, whether first century or 21st century, is that everything that is God's 
we are going to be able to enjoy. Mm. It's not as though he's going to pass and leave it to us, but it's all for us to be able to enjoy. And it's like we talked a little bit this weekend. If we have a faulty and lesser view of heaven, it doesn't provide a lot of motivation, right? Yeah. It's, it always seems to come across as though heaven's the consolation prize. You live this life and get to do these things and even have this great walk with Jesus. As a Christian, I'm not even talking about in a secular sense. And then, oh yeah, by the way, when you die, you get to go to heaven. Like It's like the afterthought. Yeah. So many of our predecessors, followers of Jesus, were consumed with the hope of heaven, mm. consumed at the inheritance. And why? Their lives are probably a lot harder than ours. Yeah. We're somewhat comfortable, and therefore heaven can somehow, sadly, be an afterthought, the consolation prize versus the prize. Yeah. But that's what motivated, we talked about that before we came on today, was different motivators. The motivation of being a around the throne of God, uh, having no more death, no more fear, no more tears, uh, no more pain. Man, it's a huge motivator. We live in a day when, except for the death part, a lot of that's minimized. Yeah. And so the reality is it, it speaks to our maybe becoming so comfortable mm. that heaven becomes less desirable. Mm. And we've got to, as believers, rework that and recognize there's nothing here that compares to the greatness of being with God in his place, in his kingdom, where we have uh, an inheritance forever. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think there's there's so much there, like you said, that we miss that's going on for them. And the other thing, too, is like we go off and really create our own livelihood in adulthood separate from our parents or their trade or whatever. Mm. That's not true here. They would live off of that estate. Sure. um, And all the way up until they became the owners of that estate. They took over. And so all of the hope was in the inheritance. It Mm. wasn't like, you know, I hope I get a chunk of change from the inheritance, but I've got this other gig going on. There's no other gig. Like that's the whole, that's the whole hope right there. And the other thing too, that I think is of particular significance here for first Peter is uh, probably a lot of his readers have lost their inheritance Mm. in following Jesus. Like, I just think as we talk about, we go into a year that feels crazy for us in a country that's actually incredibly stable and has you know so many stabilities that we enjoy on a day in, day out basis. We just have to keep remembering as we read this that Peter's writing to a group of people who are going through things a million times harder than what we're going through, which is not to minimize our pain, but really to maximize his commandments and instructions to them of how they're supposed to suffer. Because we, man, have it like cake compared to what these people are going through. And in that, in losing an inheritance, really their hope for financial independence and freedom in their later years, they've lost that many of them in following Jesus. Well, now he's pointing them towards where their true hope lies, their Mm -hmm. true inheritance, and that in the same way that they were going to pine after that one singular thing that was going to really protect and care for them, they pine after that in the future. And uh, and I I agree. I think that that hope of heaven is really missed on us um, in America, in the Western church, Um, maybe because we're really trying to make our current circumstances heaven. You know, we're more focused on making where we're at comfortable right now instead of realizing that we live this life for the next life. And um, 
I, I was struck by that, you know, we're going through the shred and today we read through Ecclesiastes. I was struck by the really primary beef that Solomon has with living life is death, is death makes everything meaningless. Mm-hmm. And it that's why heaven is so important. That's why what Jesus has accomplished for us is so important because it's through Jesus that we can have an internal inheritance. It's through Jesus that we can collect an an eternal reward, right? Like those two things should be incredible motivators for us because if you just live this life for this life, then it's exactly what Ecclesiastes says. It's all meaningless. But if you, through Jesus, are able to live this life for the next life, there's so much meaning because you're living for things that are going to last forever. And that great line in Ecclesiastes, God has placed eternity mm. at, in the human heart. Mm. And so we long for it. And it's through Jesus that we have access to it. And we need, if we can put our hope there, if we can put our, um, our future hope there, you know, we've got a present living hope like we've talked about, but if we can put this future hope into this inheritance, this reward that we're striving for in heaven, man, it, it allows it allows today to get shaky and that not be that big of a deal because yeah. I was never really trying to make today ideal. I'm, I'm looking forward to what he's done for me and what I'll reap in heaven, which will be better than any of this. Doesn't, you know, perish, spoil mm-hmm. or fade. Such a great, you know, I loved your banana illustration this weekend. It, it's going to be just as good at the beginning as it is 10,000 years in mm-hmm. and nothing is like that in our lives today. Yeah. No, that's so good. And I agree, like even that concept of time related to heaven and eternity, I've, I'm, I'm okay that I can't understand it. Yeah. I think anything we can imagine, even for those who'd imagine heaven is, hey, the best thing you love doing, you get to do forever. I think we can imagine that getting boring, yeah. right? Like, okay, as great as that is, what about? And that's where I think that we also have to even surrender those closed boxes that we have in our thinking to go, I can't really understand that dynamic of, of time in terms of what eternity is, because it's outside of what I'm aware of, what I can sense. But I'm okay because God says, like we just, like you just alluded to, that inheritance won't diminish over time or diminish throughout eternity. I just have to trust God for that. I, I can be very encouraged by that, I think, nonetheless. Yeah. But I also go, do I totally understand that? I don't, yeah. but I'm okay with that. But literally means you can't get bored of it. Yeah, it's, it's going to continue to be, like you said, as good from the very moment you enjoy, the moment you enter into the presence of God, and throughout it will never get lesser. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then he, you know, finishes with this idea of suffering, proving the genuineness of their faith. These people who are going through, man, loss of potential income, potential estate, family ties, um, and then even putting themselves at risk of religious persecution as well, right? So um, that was not theoretical. Uh, It's something very, very real and tangible. It's not like when we think, you know, if somebody were to come in and say, hey, your, your present sufferings are proving the genuineness of your faith, you might be racking your brain like, eh, like 
the headaches that I have or like, you know, mm -hmm. what what is the suffering that I'm going through? Um, or maybe just that it feels harder to be a Christian than it used to or whatever, sure. right? This is different. This is a whole nother level of suffering that's being talked about here. And maybe what are some ways that we can just be, uh, it's a huge theme to the book because it's obviously a huge theme to the readers and what they're experiencing. Um, what, what are just some ways as we get that kind of initial glimpse into the theme that we can just be preparing ourselves to kind of learn what this book has to say in the realm of suffering? Yeah. I think um, one of the big ones is that Peter's gonna, we'll see, begins in chapter two and on, is that the kind of suffering that these first century followers of Jesus are facing is often coming at the hands of um, leaders, mm -hmm. political leaders, cultural leaders, whoever. And um, so from a government standpoint, and, and whether that's what we're facing today or whether we will, it could even be the kinds of just alienation, right? People in our oikos even who are just like, I don't want anything to do with that holy roller or that Christian influence. Or they might even have, I spoke to, had a powerful conversation after one of the services this weekend of a woman who just said, I feel like I, I work in a very evil environment mm. because of the, the different religious viewpoints that are there that are opposed to Christianity, not even just like we can coexist a little bit. So the the thing I think that will help us, and this is what's so great by the time we get to chapter five, is that Peter is going to really connect a dot that though we may suffer at the hands of other human beings, we only really have one genuine enemy. Mm. His name is Satan, and he's like a lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. Now, he uses human agents a lot because outside of like a body breaking down with health or other things, suffering is going to often come at the hands of other people. Yeah. So therefore, it's really important to remember they're not the enemy. They're pawns. They're being used and controlled by him. But at the end of the day, because Jesus will say the same thing, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. Mm. So, and again, Peter, having followed Jesus for three plus years, must have had these things ringing in his head as he's writing these down. But I think that's a really important thing is to not make enemies out of other people, though they may be treating you as such, they are not for us as the follower of Jesus, our true enemy. Mm. We only really have one. Mm. And that's just a, a great space to try to remain in because otherwise we will be very it'll be very difficult to love people who are hurting us in first peter that's going to be the command we're going to see and and even be able to give an, an explanation for the hope that you have while you're being persecuted for your faith yeah. because it'd just be easier to give up it'd yeah. be easier to tell the person persecuting me all right i'll just be done with the jesus thing if, yeah. you, if you're not going to do that to me then i'm out let's yeah. do this but they don't give up and as a result, oppressors and enemies say, why wouldn't you just give up on the Jesus thing if it's costing you this much? But in 1 Peter 3, 
have an explanation. Be prepared to share that when they ask you about the hope that you have and what with gentleness and respect. Mm. So there, that's a big part, I think, of this letter is being thoughtful of the modes through which suffering comes. Yeah. When you go back to, we didn't have, I don't think much here in the States, but I think of Canada, right? Literally put fences around churches, wouldn't let people meet there, took pastors to jail. Yeah. It'd be very easy to think those government officials are the enemies. Mm. But I don't think according to First Peter and other parts of the Bible, I could say that they're being used by him. Mm. So I think I've got to keep perception and perspective perspective on that. The other part is, is that what, what's Hebrews going to say? You haven't suffered to the point of, of death. You haven't yeah. suffered to the point of shedding blood. So there's also perspective of who has suffered like that mm. is Jesus. Mm. And, and, and I think he made it clear in the upper room discourse, if they've come after the teacher, they're going to come after the pupils. Yeah. You know? So don't be surprised you know, and, and that happens multiple times in the New Testament. Why are you being surprised as though this is happening to you? Yeah. Do you remember who you followed? A yeah. man of sorrows. You know, he, he went to the cross, and he, even before the cross, was often alienated by people, religious leaders, whomever. And so we just have to realize— I think Peter says that in here too, right? Don't be surprised if something, something strange odd were happening were to happening you happening when to you suffer trials. Yeah. So those are, I think, a couple things that, and that's, again, why the book I feel like is so timely. I don't know what this year's going to hold. I do know it. it's most likely, unless the Lord comes back before, going to hold an election. And I remember how polarizing and alienating different things were four years ago. Um, but the reality is, is that if we will, in advance, have some good perspective kind of markers, I think it's going to help us when we get into some spaces. And if we as believers or other believers that we're connected to, let's let's be right too, pe people who follow Jesus are suffering today for their faith all around the world. Yeah. We don't necessarily have names and faces and all the details, but that is happening. It will happen here at some point along the way. And so for us just to be able to have anchor points and yeah. go, I got to keep reality straight. Yeah. And I, and I think the, you know, when it comes to suffering and that theme in first Peter, it's so helpful through the lens of expectations. Mm -hmm. Like I, I need to, and it's difficult for us, I think in American Christianity where it's been, we've had this illusion of Christendom for a long time and felt like, well, everybody, we all kind of believe the same stuff and we're realizing that's not true. And I think it's been not true for a lot longer than we realized. But I, I think as that is hitting us and, and we can begin to feel uncomfortable, it becomes really important to figure out what our expectations are. Because what I see clearly in the New Testament is that God does not have a vested interest in our comfort right now. He does for eternity to come, but he doesn't have a vested interest in our comfort right now. He doesn't have a vested interest in ease for us right now. And so if we're going into this year expecting, you know, God, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z for you. So my life is comfortable and my life is easy. We're going to be sorely disappointed. And maybe that's how this year works out for you, but you're going to be disappointed next year. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's coming for you because yeah. That's not his vested interest for your life right here and right now. Um, it doesn't mean that there's not great things coming. That's why you've got to get the inheritance piece yeah. before you get the expectations piece. Because otherwise you're going to be like, how is this good news? Yeah. Well, it's good news because I have an inheritance that won't ever spoil or fade. But right now, 
I'm going to face trials of many kinds, and there is not a, there's, there's a mission, there's a battlefield. This is not right now the time for ease and comfort. And if I can get my mind there and not live this life for this life, but live this life for the next life, investing in the things that matter here and now, as difficult as they may be, I, I think I'll find myself with that secure hope that isn't shaken in the storms of life, understanding this is the season for storms, that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Mm. It's not like something weird is going on in my life. This yeah. is appropriate. Yeah. And you're right. That's so important to have that already at the forefront of my mind with those expectations, with that understanding, because, and, and I'll say this, I think even if we do, we might stumble. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, wait. It, it takes a while. Like I remember even in 2020, I would come back and realize it was probably between March and maybe September that I had given very, I just d woke up one day realizing I've given very little thought to my personal mission and being a strategic and being intentional in the relationships that I have for the gospel, because I've been so sidetracked by feeling like it was my role to duct tape a church together during all this time. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, I knew these things, but I let other things become more, just in my, more urgent, right? The yeah. tyranny of the urgent. And so I feel like even these understandings won't ensure that I don't forget, but it sure is something worth giving time and effort to, to go, God help me, so when the moments of suffering do come, that I'm ready, I have appropriate expectations, I'm deeply dialed in to the realities and the promises of eternity, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, so. no, that's good. Yeah, it's true, it punches us in the mouth initially, which can be very disorienting. disorienting. Exactly. But I think when we come back to scripture over and over again, we allow it to inform our perspective. It becomes that good reminder for us day in and day out. And so I'm excited. I'm excited for where this series leads us and even the expectations it hopefully leaves us for the year and years to come. You know, that it's uh, not that everything's gonna be the worst, but at the same time that everything's not going to be so simple and easy and that's okay we're right at the center of god's will if that's what's going on because yeah. that's what this season is for that's what this is about yeah so Amen. cool well thank you for your time absolutely Appreciate the i love getting to talk about this book it's yeah, gonna be great it's gonna be good and if you've got a takeaway uh, coming away from this weekend let us know there in the comments we'd love to know uh, don't forget to like the video maybe share it with a friend and subscribe so that you get future video updates as well uh, that's all we have for this week back at tangible takeaways uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, see you guys then.